The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. You drink deeply of Jesus. Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. It was a normal Sunday morning, if there is such a thing. And at the National Prayer Chapel, we start with prayer in the morning, giving every person an opportunity to open their heart, search after Jesus, to say whatever's happening in their life. And on this Sunday morning, A man came in. He was dirty, smelled bad. A young man, a handsome guy. Obviously, deep in drugs and every other kind of sin. He fell on his knees in the middle of the circle that we had made. And he said, Will you pray for me? Or I'm going to die. He knew he was at the end of the end. And so we began to pray for him. The Holy Spirit came in great power. And he was instantly changed into a different person. 
Now, there was also with him another young man. He knelt, and we prayed for him also. But in his case, we didn't know that anything had happened. He seemed the same as when he came in. We invited him to become a part of the prayer chapel and pursue Jesus with all of his heart. Next Sunday, he was there, and for several Sundays. And then he disappeared. One man did not disappear. He was there every Sunday, a totally transformed and changed man. The other, no visible change, same attitude. Oh, pray for me, pray for me. But no change. A total turnaround for one. And totally the change for the other. No change. One man became a powerful worker in the gospel of Jesus. The other man overdosed and is gone. One man turned around and the other man would not turn around no matter what was said to him. There was another young man. I've not met him in person, but I've spoken to him a number of times, and I love him dearly. Addictions. All kinds of sin. Angry, bitter. And he was listening to the broadcast. And it was coming through YouTube on his television. He walked over to the television. He put his hands on the television. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I repent. I want to be totally changed. I want to follow Jesus. And he gave himself utterly to Jesus right there. And suddenly, all of the addictions of his heart, the Tobacco, drugs, fornication, alcohol, everything was gone. He was transformed into a new man. And today he's a powerful witness for Jesus. He's now married to a very wonderful young woman. And they're pursuing Jesus with all of their heart, not without intense conflict from others, saying he's being radical. Two instances of two different men in two totally different geographic regions both made the decision that they would turn around and their lives were transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus. Now, in some ways, it's easier for a pagan, a non-Christian, to turn and come to Jesus than it is for a so-called cultural Christian. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to share another story with you. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. How many times have I invited you to come to the prayer chapel? And I've spoken to some of you, and you said, Oh, Pastor, it's just too far. You're on the far side of of Washington. It's too far. Of course, they would not think it was too far if they were going for a, a football game, or if they were headed to a concert, or if they were headed to a party. Wouldn't be too far then. Well, the frustration of my heart as I share this next story with you is that I have 
beseeched you, please come and grow in the spirit and in service to Jesus at the National Prayer Chapel. Very straightforward. Not complicated. And you haven't come. See, the difficulty is religious people don't want to turn around. They think they're fine just the way they are. And now they might want to add a little inspiration. They might want to add a little information, some entertainment to their life in the gospel. They don't think they need to turn around. They're the tragic ones. I talk to them all the time. They say to me, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm fine. And yet as I begin to speak with them, it's very clear that they have hearts filled with a lust for their own entertainment, for their own world. Whether it's the TV show or whether it's the the game or whether, I mean, my neighbor this last week had a big party at his house because there was a, a fight on and And, of course, he says he's a wonderful Christian man, but we got to have the fight. We've got to watch together, and we've got to got to have a party. Really? Really? I see it in many other areas as well, and we'll speak more about that in just a moment. Peter and John some of the earliest disciples of Jesus. It was after the resurrection and Jesus was gone to heaven. We find Peter and John walking to the temple for the three o'clock prayer time, for the evening sacrifice and prayers. Still very Jewish. That will change as we watch their lives. They will finally be given over only to Jesus Christ and not to the Jewish system. Some of you still have trouble with that. You want to do the Jewish system. Shows a lack of understanding on your part. They were walking into the gate called beautiful, and as they came to that gate, there was a a man lying on the hard mat, and he was begging. So Peter looks very intently at this man and gets his attention and says, you must look at us. Now, he was really paying attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Alms, silver, gold. Peter said to him, "Mm -mm, no, silver and gold is not possessed by me. But what I have, this I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you must rise up and walk. And having taken hold of him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up he stood and was walking around, and he entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And so they were recognizing that this was the man who was at the gate beautiful, And they see that something astonishing has happened to him, that he has been healed. And they're looking at Peter, and they're looking at John. What's going on here? And Peter says, why are you wondering? And why do you keep looking at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made him walk? 
the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied him to the presence of Pilate, he having decided to release him. But you denied the Holy One, the Righteous One, and requested a man, a murderer, to be released in his stead. You killed the originator of life. Now stop, wait, whoa, 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 wait. What's he talking about? If Jesus was not God, if Jesus were not pre-existent, if Jesus was not eternal, then how could he be the originator of life? Peter, the disciple, the apostle of Jesus, is claiming, let's make no, no mistake here, Peter, the most preeminent of all apostles, is saying that Jesus Christ is the author of life, that he was here eternally with the Father and the Spirit and that he originated life, he designed life. There would be no life without this pre-existent Jesus that we know. Now, of course, he was not called Jesus then. The names of, of God are all connected to the salvation process. The heart of God is to save his people. Now listen, by faith in his name, this is Acts 3, 16. And by faith in his name, the man whom you see and know was made strong by his name, that is, the name of Jesus, the preexistent Jesus. And the faith through him gave to him this complete, soundness before you all. And now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as also did your rulers. But those things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of his prophets, that his Christ was to suffer, that is, his Messiah was going to come and suffer. He knew that before he left heaven. He then fulfilled that suffering. Now, you must, consequently, you must, verse 19, consequently, you must repent and must turn around for your sins to be wiped away so that times of refreshing may come the presence of the Lord. You must turn around. What do I mean you must turn around? must change your actions. See, so many today look upon the gospel of Jesus Christ as good news. I can be included in the family of God, and I don't have to change. Nothing could be further from the truth. The scriptures say, Peter, the preeminent apostle of Christ, says, you must turn around. You can't continue following the culture of America, which follows the lust of the flesh. And I'm going to identify that specifically in just a moment. 
You know, I'm just astonished. No, not really. How many of you that I meet, how many people that I meet, and you have bitterness in your heart, you have anger and rage in your heart against a brother or a sister or a mother or a father, you know they didn't treat you right. You know they treated your brother or your sister better. You know you were not taken care of as you should have been. And you have rage in your heart about it. And you're 40 or 50 years old. And you still have rage and bitterness in your heart. You have to turn around. You have to turn around. There's a... I don't know how to say this to you. There's a hard core in the human heart that is almost impossible to deal with. So you can be a church member. You can be a Christian. But there's that very bitter, hard core. that hates you. There's that bitter, hard core of judgmentalism. Judgment toward a brother or a sister. It's like an acid in your spirit. It's like a a vinegar Most Christians I know have a definite limit in their spirit. I'll be kind up to this level, and then you get a taste of my vinegar. We're called to be the lambs of God. But most Christians that I know are wolves of God. They bite. Just push them a little bit and they're going to bite you. Do it my way or it's the highway. I'm out of here, Pastor. Can I tell you how many times, and I'm not a a demanding directional pastor that takes my authority and straightens the church out. I'm not that kind of man. Suffering I've endured has made me a tender-hearted man. I can't tell you how many people, though, through the years have said to me, Pastor, this is my last Sunday. I'm disgusted with what happens here. I don't like your your preaching. I don't like your sermons. They cut me. They make me angry. Oh, now we're getting truthful. And away they go. I continue to pray for them. Sometimes I pray and say, thank you, Jesus, for taking that painful person out of my heart. Not usually, though. It happens when we become so full of ourselves and so self-righteous. We're never willing to admit that the problem is mine. Oh, my brother, my sister, I have to tell you, I've made so many problems for myself and for others. Hard to admit, isn't it? I find it says, you must repent and must turn Around. Turn around means a total change of behavior. It means a total change of what I say and not do. It requires a transformation of the heart. 
for your sins to be wiped away. Please let me try to talk about that with you. It's necessary that our sins be wiped away. But we live in a cause and effect world. When the Holy Spirit said to me, turn your television off, it was a shock to me. I love my television. I love the movies. I love the entertainment. The Lord said, turn it off. Now, sometime I sat in the living room in front of my new television and just grieved that I was not allowed to watch the television. But then a strange thing began to happen in me. There was a great upsurge in my spirit of of love for God, of holiness. The television, unbeknownst to me, was dulling my spirit. Oh, I loved it. But it was dulling my spirit and making it hard to read scripture, hard to pray. Then I became addicted to my cell phone. The Lord said, put my, put, put my cell phone away. Well, I didn't want to do that at first. I still don't. Yesterday, I really dove in and just spent some time checking out the stories on the cell phone. The Lord was very upset with me last night. When I got that all straightened out with him again, there was an upsurge in my spirit of presence of the Holy Spirit. I was free to pray again. He told me not to go on the Internet. Well, the Internet took the place of my television. But I thought, surely I can do that. No, you can't do that, Ray. Now, please, I'm not being legalistic. I'm not telling you to turn your cell phone off or to turn your internet off. Or t- I'm simply telling you that the Holy Spirit comes and he nudges us and asks us to cut off certain things from our heart and our life. One man came to me and he said, Holy Spirit has told me I have to stop drinking my coffee. Well, I listened to him talk about that, and I prayed with him about that while I was drinking a cup of coffee. Because legalism doesn't work in the gospel. One man is allowed to have his coffee, and another man is told, get rid of it because it's absorbing you. You're addicted to it. See, what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit is the one in charge and he will tell us what he wants us to do. And if we will listen to him and do what he tells us to do, there will be a great upsurge in our spirits of life, of strength, It's cause and effect. If you refuse to obey the Holy Spirit, you push him off and you say, oh, that can't be the Holy Spirit. Then you will be dull in your heart and in your life. There will be a dullness in your spirit. You will not be quickened in prayer. In fact, you'll sit through a whole prayer meeting and never open your mouth to pray even one time. I know what causes that. Come on, guys. It's a person who is dulled by something in their spirit that God has asked them to cut out, but right now they're refusing. Saying, no, I'm not going to turn around. So the time of refreshing does not come to them in a spirit of prayer. 
I'm still I'm still suffering from my hip being broken. But you know what? The broken hip does not dull my soul. What dulls my soul is if I give in and do what he's told me not to do. I'll give you another example. When I'd get in the car some years ago, I would immediately have the radio on and I would be listening to Christian music. I would be listening to different venues of music. But my spirit would be dulled. Holy Spirit told me, don't listen to that news and don't listen to that music anymore. Was it bad music? Oh, by American standard, it was great. It was... Love listening to gospel music. I love listening to... Can't do it. Done. Why? Because that music absorbs me and it teaches me things that are lies. Went to the Hilton Chapel in Northern Virginia. Was invited to a VIP concert. So I went. And then after the concert, got to go behind stage for a time of refreshing and a time of meeting the stars that had sung in that concert. And one woman had particularly triggered my heart for Jesus. And so I went up and introduced myself. And I said, I love your music. You're really dealing with Jesus. Is your heart close to Jesus? She raised both hands, and she said, oh, 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 wait a minute, Pastor. I just did a show. That's not who I am. I said, whoa, I got it. Turned, and I left. And I've never been to another gospel show, and I won't ever go again. Because I discovered that For many, it's a way to make money, and it's showtime. It's not real. It's phony. Much, almost all of the music that you will hear today, called Christian music, is phony music. It's not real. But if you listen to it, you will hear, God loves you unconditionally. You're on your way to heaven. You got it going. No, you don't. Not unless you've turned your life around. It's the lie of the modern cultural music called Christian music. It's become big business. And most of them are just flat-out liars. They're not interested in the real Jesus. They're interested in the Jesus that is commercialized. They're interested in the Jesus that tells them they're loved unconditionally. They're interested in the Jesus. David Wilkerson, my father in the faith, said to me, You see, Brother Ray, it's just cotton candy. It's sweet to the taste and it soon disappears and then it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. He said, it is the it is the straw and the hay of Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't listen to it. Ooh. I said, thank you. 
where that had been my experience. And once you get hooked on today's modern Christian music, it is like a drug. And I want to tell you something. You say to me, oh, but pastor, I enjoy it. That's a good sign. You better check it out with Jesus. Because most people today enjoy things of darkness, not of light. You must repent and you must turn around for your sins to be wiped away so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This is what I'm talking about. That burst of refreshing that comes from Jesus when I'm willing to cut out of my life those things that the Holy Spirit puts his finger on and says, rid of it. When we do, it's amazing what he does. Now, watch this. Verse 22. You wonder why I take a moment to check. In my glasses, I have only, I have only one lens. See? I lost the other lens in the ocean. Shortly after that, I broke my hip. Henceforth, it's difficult for me to read with just one lens. But it's okay. Jesus will fix it. Notice, this is Acts, the third chapter. Verse 22, in fact, Moses said to the, to the fathers, the Lord our God will raise up a prophet for you out from your brethren like me. Speaking about Jesus, you will hear him in all things whatsoever he may say to you. And if and And it will be that every soul who may not hear that prophet will be utterly destroyed from among the people. In other words, Jesus was raised up. If you will not listen to him by his spirit, the day will come when you will be utterly destroyed. Now the King James Version says, you will be cast out of the camp or that you will be completely cut off from the people of God. Meaning, You will be taken out and stoned to death. You will die. You will not live. You will not survive. I've got some bad news for some of you. You're not going to be able to walk away from Jesus without any consequence. If today you claim you are a Christian, but you are doing things that are totally opposed to the will of God and to the Holy Spirit, and you don't change that, you will be cut off from the people of God. You will face a judgment, and in that judgment, you will be utterly destroyed. Now, people are in trouble who say Jesus is not God because they think they don't have to listen to what Jesus says to them. I can tell you, you better listen to Jesus. You better listen to his Holy Spirit. Or you will die. You will be cut off. There are many reprobates walking around. People who went to church when they were children. People who know the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they have become alcoholics. They become drug addicted. They become 
sex addicts. They're reprobates. Meaning they are utterly cut off from the kingdom of God. They will die. So I come to you today and I say, wait a minute. Are you a reprobate? Have you continued in your own way doing what you know was not pleasing to God, but you felt the impact of that on your heart? You saw the way it dulled your spirit. And yet there is a longing in your heart to go further with Jesus. But he's saying, you can't go any further with me until you cut that thing off. There's a direct cause and effect. Cut off the wickedness that the Holy Spirit puts his finger on in your life. You come alive in Jesus. And if you say to me, I'm a dillard, I'm a dull-hearted, but I don't know what I should cut off from my life. Well, that's a very simple reason. The Holy Spirit has told you so many times, and you've refused. Instead, you've gone your own way. You've done what you wanted to do, and you've believed a lie that God loves you unconditionally, and you've believed a lie that you're saved that you're on your way to heaven, but you're not on your way to heaven because you have not turned your life around. You're still full of darkness. Listen to this. Acts, the third chapter. Acts, the third chapter. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him as a blessing to you by turning away each one of you from your sinfulness. It's the intention of God to bless you. When I say to you, please, God bless you. I'm not saying, hey, good luck to you. It's a very common thing in our culture to say, God bless you. God bless you too. But the meaning of that, according to the scripture I just read for you, is that God only blesses you by turning you away from your sinful behavior. So, I love to say it, say it often to pagans, God bless you. What I'm saying is, God, turn you away from your wicked heart. God, give you a new perspective on life. Let the Holy Spirit come in and begin to remove those things that need to be removed. Let the presence of God come. Now, they don't know that that's what it means. They might be pretty angry if they did. saying, oh God, have your way with your people. Now, I promised I would be very specific. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Talking about today, turning away from works of the flesh, of the human heart. And here are those manifestations. Adultery. Look at a woman in lust and you've already committed adultery. Yes, take you to hell. Fornication. 
uncleanness. Like sodomy with your wife. No. Wrong. Sin. Don't shame her that way. Indecency. Pictures you look at. The videos you look at. Idolatry. What do you worship in your heart? What pleasures are so insistent? You have to engage in them every day, even though you've had no prayer time and no scripture time. Witchcraft. Hatred. Discord. Always your right. Jealousies. Outbursts of wrath. You'll give them a piece of your mind. They don't have a right to say that to you or to do that. And they certainly don't have a right to cut you off in traffic. Outbursts of wrath. Strife. Dissensions. False teachings. Envy. Murder. Drunkenness. Get out of the bottle, brother. Stop putting your foot in that pit of alcohol. It'll kill you. Revelries. Stop going to those parties. And things similar to these, which things I told you before, even as I said before, that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. In fact, the ones who are of Christ crucified the flesh. Crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, we should also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. My brother, don't be deceived. My sister, don't be deceived. You need to turn your life around to Jesus Christ. I've given you several examples. That can be you. If you will utterly give your life over to Jesus and be willing as a so-called Christian, be willing to begin to look at those very specific things that dull your mind like alcohol or that dull your mind like being caught up in some cultural enjoyment. Doing things that make it impossible to read the scriptures and pray. So you go to a place of prayer, but you don't pray because Indulged by some form of refusal to the Holy Spirit. It's cause and effect. Don't reject the Holy Spirit. Don't pretend you're something that you are not. Get honest with God. Now, we're out of time for the broadcast today. 
Today's the last day of July. Thank you for all of you who have so kindly helped cover the cost for July. Cost for July is covered by the kind gifts of many Christian people. If you're offended by my asking you to give for the work of the gospel, get over it. Where is your heart? Is your heart with Jesus? I'm not going to play games on this broadcast. I'm going to be straight up with you. I don't have time. Soft and gentle and lie to you. You need to get to Jesus and change your behavior. Almighty God, I come today and I've preached an honest message. I pray, Lord, that you will move in power in the heart of every person who has listened and you will give them the courage to finally say, I will change my behavior. And I will cut off the things that Jesus has already spoken to me about. Lord, I don't need to tell them. Your Holy Spirit is right there telling them right now. Please, Lord, minister to their hearts. Encourage them. Bring joy and peace and love. And take away the animosity and the anger and the judgments and the foolishness. Lord, make it real for my brother and my sister. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Well, you can write to me. I'd love to hear from you. It's hard not being able to leave the house. 24-7, it's also given me an incredible time with Jesus. And he's changed me. So write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you can also contact me through the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. And let me be very clear with you. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to call you in the name of Jesus to break with the culture of America and get in the culture of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.